Hey, and welcome to the 12 Stone Church Podcast. Thank you so much for taking time to be a part of today's message. We hope it inspires you, encourages you, and deepens your faith in Jesus. Enjoy the message. Church, so welcome to Succession Sunday. Yeah. I want you to check something out on the screen. You see that picture? I was 26 years old. This is the General Cinema 6 Theater. We thought we would blow the doors off, and so we rented like 440 seats, and 50-some people showed up. It was great. It was great. And we built it for, in fact, literally, we called ourselves the Heinz 57 Church, because no matter what we did, only 57 people would show up. And that was for months. Now, the most important thing that happened is the first person who came to faith in Jesus, because that's why God called this church to be here. Tony Alper. He was an old guy. I mean, we got our first old guy. He was 41 years old. <laughs> when you're 26, 41 is old, I'm like, we're going to get old people even. It'll be great. He came to faith in Christ, and if there's anything that should take center stage over the kindness and the favor and the goodness of God, it would be the people he has brought into the kingdom. Are you not amazed uh, at the way God loves us and how Jesus forgives us? I mean, have you ever gotten over what it means to be forgiven and restored to God and redeemed? It is such a profound, profound kindness. And we thought, you know what, let's look back. So let me give you just the, the stuff that gives us joy. Let me tell you through the years, in the first season of the church, from the launch of the church to, to through the first building, 933 people came into the kingdom. And so that was that first kind of 11 years, and God was building the church. And then in the next season of the church, kind of in the Edwards facilities, then it's kind of nine, tennis years, another 3,393 people came into the kingdom who are going to heaven. And then God took us into central campus and multi-campus, and 37,508 people came into the kingdom. So, you ready? Here's the total over the season, 41,834 people are in the kingdom. Can I hear what all of heaven would do right now for even one? For even one. That's what we have been about by the grace of God, and we will continue to be. Oh, how much he loves us. Mm. And so today, God's ordained, and I know that in my soul. God has ordained a wonderful day. Jason's going to become senior pastor today. Man, Jason, I love you, Amber. Love you. So proud of you and your leadership and your family. It's just a beautiful thing to watch God do. This is an honor for our church. It's a sacred day. And you might be thinking, well, what are the big changes? Now he steps in. What's the big change? I go, All the big changes have been made. That's what we've been doing the last 12 to 18 months. This is now where we get to press the accelerator and go forward. And frankly, if I were... 41, like Jason, and starting over, I would do exactly what he's doing. I'd build a church that leans into the next generation where people can know God, find freedom, discover their purpose, and make a difference. 
So here I stand. I've got my last chance to teach as senior pastor. Now, hang on. I'm going to be founding pastor. I'll be on the teaching team. You'll still see me. This isn't like, oh, he's running away. Still all in. Still going to be alongside Jason, doing some mentoring, but really supporting and serving. I'll be doing some things with the elder board, the trustee board. I'll be in the 55 plus. I'm doing a lot of stuff. Love it. But he will be senior pastor. And as God sets in motion, I get this little moment bit of time to have my last chance to teach in the role of senior pastor. So I've had a great time talking to God. What would I say? What should I say, God? What, 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 do, you, what do we go after today? What, what do you say to the young, to the, to the kind of midlife, to the older saints, if you will? So here it is. This is what God's put on my heart. I want you to listen in. In fact, I wish you'd get your phones out, snap a picture, and think about this through this day, through this week, through the first hundred days of Jason's senior pastor leadership. Be wholehearted. Be what, everybody? Wholehearted. Now, when I say be what, everybody, like, this is the last time a senior pastor, I'm going to make you fill in the blanks. I'm going to do it later when I come back and teach you. Whatever. So do it like it's the last time. Be what, everybody? Yeah, be, see, how can you say wholehearted, half-heartedly? You can't. Be wholehearted, which means take your risks being all in wholehearted for God. Otherwise, you take your risks being half-hearted or hard-hearted. Wholehearted is more devotion than emotion. And wholehearted impresses God and frees him to bless. And oh, how God loves to bless. So let's take the thoughts one at a time. Take your risks being all in, wholehearted for God. Life is risk. Take your risks being wholehearted for him. Now, all of this is wrapped around the story of Caleb. And Jason and I were convinced the Spirit of God was driving us into this story. I'm going to talk for these few minutes about Caleb, and he's going to pick up the story and talk about Joshua. And in between those two, we're going to have a moment of installation. Jason, the senior pastor. It's a beautiful thing. So let me jump in here. Take your risks being all in wholehearted for God. It's what marked Caleb. Now, Caleb came from a time in the Old Testament. He was an Israelite. He was part of the nation of Israel when they were under bondage, under Egypt. And through Moses, God freed them from Egypt. And when God rescued them, when God rescued them, when God, what, everybody? rescued them. That's a profound thing. God was saying, look, I, I'm not distant. I'm on your side. He demonstrated that with his powers and miracles, drawing them to himself. By the way, God's still doing that. When he sent Jesus, he's saying, I'm not distant. I'm on your side. If you're new here, or if you're still investigating faith or spiritually unresolved or on the fringe, if you've heard people say God hates you, don't believe that. God hates sin because of what it does to you. He hates sin and death, but he sent his son so that you would know he is not distant and he is on your side. Amen, church? That is the beautiful thing about God. So anyhow, here's Caleb, and he's discovering that God is with them and for them, and then he's going to take them into the promise land. 
and he sets up 12 spies, and Caleb and Joshua are two of the 12 spies, and they go in to prove that whatever God said about the land that they would go into that's flowing with milk and honey that's going to be the blessing for their life, that is actually true, and they come back with an awesome report. They're there to take territory. They're to do what? Take territory. Like, they got work to go do. Now it's a long biblical study to look at why it was into the Canaanites and the sin of the Canaanites and the judgment of God on them. We don't have any time for that. But the 12 spies came back and they said, God is telling the truth. Whew, this promised land is awesome. We get out of the desert and into the promised land. No wonder that's a metaphor for life. But it was their life. But 10 of the spies became afraid, got full of their own agenda. They gave thumbs down. We can't go do this. They let their emotion take over their devotion. And Caleb said, no, we should be wholehearted. Look at the scripture. The land we pass through and explore is exceedingly good, Caleb went on to say. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into that land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and will give it to us. Only do not rebel against the Lord. Do not be afraid of the people of the land, because we will devour them. Their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. The Lord is what, everybody? The Lord's with us. Don't, don't be afraid. We're going to go take territory together. By the way, in the New Testament, when we take territory, that means reaching people for Christ. When we talk about the 41,834 people who came to faith so far, that's just so far. We have territory to take means spiritually in the New Testament, reaching people for Christ. And God has that call upon us. And, and all the more with the next generation. I mean, when we receive the next generation offering at the end of the service and Jason leads us into that, and we all get to be a part of it. It, it is because we're not just reaching and talking about the past. We're looking to the future and we're saying, oh, dear God, transform this generation. Reach them that they may know God, find freedom, discover their purpose and make a difference. So Caleb calls his generation and says, we got to be wholehearted in this. And here's the interesting thing. When he did that, his generation thought that was risky. Stay with me. Caleb's and Joshua's generation thought it was risky to be wholehearted for God. And it did not occur to them that when you are not wholehearted, you become half-hearted. And half-hearted is the greater risk. There's no risk for you. See, half-hearted is the real risk. Half-hearted cost them the promised land. Half-hearted sent them into the desert. And God said, only the wholehearted are going to go in, Caleb and Joshua. But the rest of their whole generation, everybody over 20, would die in the desert. You know what's interesting? God would have taken everybody into the promised land. It was not God who limited them. It was their half-heartedness. This is a big conversation. We have to be wholehearted toward the God who is wholeheartedly for us. I wonder where we might be adrift. By the way, that's true in marriage. You start marriage wholehearted, but if you get half-hearted, you create a desert in your marriage. 
Maybe that needs to be corrected today. Maybe that's why God has you in this conversation. That's true in your career. You go wholehearted in your career, but when you get half-hearted, you know what that looks like. And you end up in a desert in your career, and you can blame everybody around you, when really, if you would just correct and go wholehearted, what would change? That can happen in church. You get half-hearted in your faith. Maybe the beginning of today is for you to just ask yourself, where have I become half-hearted toward God? And correct it. Second thought. Wholehearted is more devotion than emotion. Say it with me. Wholehearted is more devotion than emotion. Now, this one can get complicated because wholehearted is not doing whatever you feel. So it's not like, oh, I feel this wholeheartedly, therefore I do it. No, it's doing the God thing. It's doing the God thing no matter how you feel. You see, devotion and acting on devotion is authentic. And authentic is regardless how you feel. Devotion is regardless how you, it's like Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane when he knelt down and, and, and he said, oh God, I wish that this cup would pass from me. What was he saying? I wish I wouldn't have to endure the crucifixion and the cross, but, but nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. He put devotion over emotion. And by the way, being devoted to God is easier said than done. Isn't that true? I know it. I just want to hope many other people know it. Easier said than done. Let me see the hands everywhere, 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 everywhere. 12 stone home. Yeah, come on. Other camps says, of course it is. That's true in most things in life. Easier to say than do. I've been asked, what are you going to do now that you change this role? I know you're still all in, but what do you do now that you change this role? You'll be founding pastor. You get maybe a little more freedom, and, and then you, all this goes on, Jason. <laughs> and you're like, whoo, life is good, Jason. What's up? What are you going to do? I, I can tell you what, one of the things I'm going to do. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to learn how to drive fast on some racetracks. I'm just telling you that's what I'm doing, which I couldn't do because I loved you because I made a contract with the elders that I wouldn't do that while I was senior pastor. And I am not anymore. So, so I've already started. I cheated it. I've already been in a couple of classes on the track. And, and I, I just did a three-day uh, thing a couple weeks ago with, with Primal Racing to, to learn how to go fast well. And I told that they had a videographer there. And I'm like, hey, can I get you to make a video uh, so that people would believe I'm actually there and doing it? So here you go. By the way, here's what I discovered. Uh, I am faster in my mind than I am on the actual track. <laughs> I am so good. I could drive a race car. F1 should call me until I actually got on the track. Some things are easier to say than do. So I'm just going to be honest. A 16-year-old girl crushed me all weekend. <laughs> I lost to a 16-year-old girl. 
Now, she was good, and I can probably beat you, so don't get cocky. But I can tell you this, it's easier to talk fast than drive fast. It's easier to see her devoted here and not be when you walk out of here. Devotion. How are you doing with wholehearted devotion? See, Caleb would correct us and say, wholehearted, you'll discover that's something super important. Wholehearted impresses God and frees him to bless. And God loves to bless. See, the entirety of Caleb and Joshua's generation ended up in the desert and dying. But not Joshua and not Caleb. It just sometimes it's worth reading scripture and just letting the story tell itself. So let's look at this scripture. Caleb said, as I live and as surely as the glory of the Lord fills the whole earth, or God says this to the nation, not one of those who saw my glory and the signs I performed in Egypt and in the wilderness, but who disobeyed me and tested me 10 times, not one of them will ever see the land I promised an oath to their ancestors. No one who has treated me with contempt, think half-hearted, hard-hearted, will ever see it. But because my servant Caleb has a different spirit and follows me, how everybody? Wow. That impresses God. I will bring him into the land he went to, and his descendants will inherit it. <sighs> There's something to learn. God was blessing Caleb and his family. And 45 years later, let's look at the own story, his own story. Now then, just as the Lord promised, and Caleb is 85 years old now, 45 years later, and he is saying this to Joshua and his family and the nation. Now then, just as the Lord promised, he has kept me alive for 45 years since the time he said this to Moses while Israel moved about in the wilderness. So here I am today, 85 years old. Check this out. Look what he says. I am still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. I'm just as vigorous to go out to battle, if you will, take territory now as I was then. Now give me this hill country that the Lord promised me that day. Come on, church. That is amazing that God gives him such favor over all these years. I'm just as vigorous. All right. I got to wrap. This is the end of my time. I think there's a message for three groups. So as I wrote, the midlife generation. If you're in the generation of Jason and Amber, you're in that kind of 40 age plus or minus. Know this. The decisions you make at midlife define your whole life. He was 40 when he made the decision to be wholehearted. And it marked his life for the next 45 years. Being wholehearted for God right now is how you bless your life and your family. Let me say something to the older generation. If you're more in the stage of Marsha and I, 55 plus, we're in our 60s, you might be 70s, 80s. How you finish matters. Being wholehearted all the way to the end till Jesus takes you home is what it means to really follow God. Do not trail off your passion to follow fully in later years. We're going to have a party tonight, 55 plus, thousand of us showing up, going to be in this room. It's going to be awesome. And we're going to celebrate God. We're going to celebrate the goodness of God. We're going to look back. We're going to look forward. But, but 
we're wholehearted for God. Younger generation, whether your parents follow God or not, notice the younger generation got an invitation to the promised land and a chance to be wholehearted. Regardless what your parents' choice, God will give you the opportunity to live wholehearted. Choose young to be wholehearted and follow him fully. And there's no better blessing you can give to your life than to free God up to bless you. 12 stone, Caleb inspires us to be wholehearted. Amen? Let's be wholehearted. And now is the time. When we move from the founding senior pastor who has been the senior pastor to establishing the new senior pastor, and we have all our families with us. This is so beautiful, so precious. Come on, church. I love this moment. This is so great. Hey, baby. So we have here, church, we have Corey Baker. Wave, Corey, so they know who you are. It's one of our lead elders. We have his wife, Bethany. They're going to sit with us at this moment and beautiful. And thank you, Corey. He's been serving for years, whether you know him or not. Behind the scenes, he has spiritually made things happen and been alongside me, along with other elders and trustees. It's a powerful thing. This is my wife, Marcia. You know her. These are our kids, Joshua and Jake and Jaden and Julissa and Jason, you have your family. This is my wife, Amber. Hopefully you've seen her before. If not, this is Lincoln and Lizzie and Luke. I just realized this. You went all J's. We went all L's. Yes. Yes. Don't God's know what apparently that means. in the lyrical. Yeah. But it, it's the other something. thing it does is always I go. Gee, gee, gee. Yeah. When I get and angry, I can't call the right name. Yeah. That's the yeah. problem. And Corey, how many kids do you have? Six. I had to think. <laughs> I had to think. I had to think. So we just bow down to you and say. God bless you. Well done. <laughs> they got a good mama, you know what I mean? <laughs> that is true. You married really well. Yes. Uh, this is the part you don't like, PK, because you don't like things being about you. But we need a moment to honor. And so we're going to honor. And we did this with our all staff a couple weeks ago, and I lost it. So I'm going to try to stay focused. Corey and I have an agreement. He's going to punch me right in the face if I start crying. <laughs> and I'll do the same because I love you. I'll do the same for you, Corey. So... I'm gonna, I want to honor sort of three ways. Um, I was a pastor's kid, so I grew up in the glass house. Man, everybody's watching, everyone's looking. And so I want to honor kids. Josh, Jalisa, Jake, Jaden, uh, my brother and I, we were every illustration, every story. How many times did you go to a restaurant and someone told you something about yourself? And you're like, how'd you know that? Well, it turns out dad shared that story on Sunday. <laughs> and you allowed us as a church into your lives. And very complicated thing. But I just want to say thank you from our church. Kevin, the thing I respect most about you and Marsha, your leadership is great, great pastor. Your kids all love Jesus. And we don't have to fake today on the stage. Y'all love Jesus and you love the church, which is our prayer for our kids 20 years from now. So church, I think it matters that we just take a quick moment and we're going to honor your four awesome kids for allowing us, our church, to see your lives on display. Thank you. I want to talk about Marsha. Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. How many times? 
How many times have you heard that? Not a new. lifetime of it. You have to fake laugh. That's <laughs> great. <laughs> so funny. Marsha, uh, 12 Stone, Marsha has prayed for you and served you and sacrificed for you in ways you'll never understand. The way that she has loved Kevin, loved her kids, loved the church, and put everybody else before herself for 36 years. Amber and I were talking last night just how grateful we are. I mean, one marriage, 41 years. Kevin, you are, you are a great leader, but good Lord, God was so kind to you in giving you Marcia. <laughs> No arguments. <laughs> Guilty as charged. And uh, Marsha, from the bottom of my heart, thank you for modeling biblical womanhood. Thank you for modeling what a, a wife and a mom should look like. Thank you for modeling what it looks like to go after God for 36 years on behalf of a church. And we will never know the sacrifices she made. And I think it matters that a church would honor Marsha for what she has done on stage and behind the scenes to serve 12 stones. Thank you, Marcia. And last and maybe least, but not, probably not least. Maybe the shortest, but... <laughs> I don't know how to put into words um, my gratitude. I have a great dad, and we have a great relationship. And outside of him, there's not another man on the planet that has done more to form. Oh, Lord, punch me. Um, <laughs> there's not another man or person on the planet that has shaped my walk with God, my leadership in the church, my parenting, my being a husband, my being a friend. Uh, you have shaped every part of me in a profound way. And 18 years ago, some kid from in college in Indiana sends a random email and says, can I get a couple hours? Like, who is this guy? And you gave me hours and hours and hours over the years. And you let me wrestle down things that I didn't know how to do in ministry or how to carry out as a husband or a father. And you have done more for me than I could ever express. And I just want to say thank you for finishing well. My generation has a lot of hurt and baggage because people that stood on stages and said one thing and they lived another. And when hypocrisy gets in the church, specifically in a leader, it destroys things that no good message or good ministry program can fix. And I could thank you for a million things but if I had to pick one, you have walked with God wholeheartedly. The message you just preached was not uh, clever or smart, although it was. It was your life message. You've demonstrated what wholehearted following God looks like. And the sleepless nights, the hours and hours and hours in prayer, the things that you did for this church that no one ever will see. We see the stage. We don't see the secret place. So thank you for the way that you went wholehearted for God for 36 years, and you are nowhere near done, but we are, we are going to pause and honor you and 
you deserve more than the, the claps you're going to get, but this is about all we can do right now. So 12 Stone, it matters. Can we honor Pastor Kevin for what he's done and his Jason said, uh, we've got a pact. If I get a left hook, uh, you'll know why. Um, I've had the opportunity to serve on the elder board for 15 years. And I get to represent today a group of people that behind the scenes uh, has lived a life and a life of service for this church. They're incredible people. Uh, you don't know their names probably because that's the way they prefer it. But I'll tell you, 28 years ago, we were moved to Atlanta, Bethany and I, and when we came here, we wanted to be a part of a really large church, because that's kind of our background, and we tried a couple churches, and somebody said, hey, there's this church on Collins Hill Road that um, you might like, and so we uh, got there, and I pulled up, and, and it's in the middle of a neighborhood, and I'm like, is this the place? And she said, yeah, and I said, well, it's got a blue tin roof, or are we at IHOP? I mean, <laughs> I didn't know if we were going to get served breakfast or get prayed over the next, I had no idea. But I've been able to be here for 28 years, and I get to see what God's doing and how he's doing it, and I get to walk down the roads. And so for Kevin, I want to affirm your applause. I want to affirm what Jason said as an elder board I can't tell you how wonderful this man is. When you get on stage, your private life sets you up for your public life. And his public life is a life that we all can admire and come alongside, but it's rooted in our Heavenly Father. I get to sit on the mountaintops with Kevin over these years and in the God moments, which is pretty awesome. And I get to travel down the path of the mundane. You know how it is. The mundane of the, just there's nothing great today, nothing bad today. It's just the mundane and, and how you handle the mundane in our lives, all of our lives matter. And then I get to sit in the valleys when there's heartache and there's pain. And I get to have those conversations with him that we get to have. And he carries that and he carries it with him. And, and I'll tell you this, when you look at a pastor and a leader and a father and a husband, this is what you want. And you want this because he represents what God is. And I can say this, uh, if our Heavenly Father was verbally speaking to us, to us today and on stage, he would say, well done, my good and faithful servant. And that is something we all die for. That's what I look for when I, when I get to see my Heavenly Father. And I, and I think that's what he's saying. And, and I'll say this, but you're not done yet, big boy. You're not, you're not done yet. Um, we uh, have asked him to stay on and for the next three years be wholehearted. 
to be wholehearted in how he serves and how he's done for the last 36 years. And I'll tell you, as elders, we were in the succession process of Jason, and, and I can't tell you of a better person that we think God has ordained and will lead us into what God's got prepared for us in the coming years. And we're excited about what that's going to look like. So what's next? Well, the next 100 days. So the next 100 days, if you've ever heard that in an organization or, or uh, any circumstance where someone gets a new position, where well, the next 100 days is really important. And, and, and I'll tell you this, for the next 100 days for Jason, here's what I'm going to ask you to do and me to do and all of us to do, and that's to pray and be his prayer partner. Come alongside, pray for him like you've never prayed before. Get on your knees in the morning when it's just you. Get on your knees in the afternoon when it's just you. And you pray for what God's going to do through, through Jason. And then for PK, we've uh, got a couple cool things. We've got some gifts. Do you think he deserves a gift after 36 years? <laughs> I think he does. And so the first gift's a pretty cool gift. He's carried the burden of being the primary communicator at a church for 36 years. I, I don't know if you can even grasp what that's like, but he's been carrying that. And so we're going to say, hey, go take a 100-day sabbatical. Go away. Go, go kind of be with your, your family. Be with yourself. Go, go and do the things that you want to do. And maybe he's racing cars and uh, going around the track. Who knows? But I know Kevin's going to get to go do that. And, and, and we want to just salute him as he does that. And the second part is we, we've got... We've got a, a gift for he and Marsha. They're going to go on a trip. Do you think they deserve a trip after 36 years? Come on, baby. So, so the elder board who represents you guys, we decided we're going to give them a trip. And it's two weeks. So Kevin, um, give them some insight because you've been planning a little bit of this. Yeah, and we, we, we'll admit we are. We're going to Europe. We've always wanted to. And a trip where it's not... Uh, doesn't have responsibilities and ministry demands while we're there. So this is just us. So we're going to go do some of the steps of Wesley, which I've always wanted to do. We'll be sitting in London. And we'll do some fun stuff there. Then we'll slip over to, to Paris and go up the Eiffel Tower. And we'll, we'll do the, the Louvre. Okay, because I love you. And, <laughs> and, then, and then because she loves me, we're going over to Germany. And we're going to go on the Autobahn in the name of Jesus. <laughs> So good. Where there is no speed limit and everybody knows not to be in the left lane unless you are driving an ungodly speed and there is no speed limit. So praise Jesus. And then we're going to end where the Protestant Reformation started uh, in Wittenberg and, and come back. Thank you. Thank, thank you for the gift. Thanks for your love. We love you more than you can possibly imagine. Uh, I'm going to be my next time to preach. I'm, I, I'm not... I'm not leaving you, brother. I'm, I'm, I'm right with you. I'll be back. And November 19th will be the first time I teach. Give you your 100 days. Take my 100-day teaching sabbatical. You'll still see us from time to time at camps, et cetera. It'll be awesomely fun. We'll love it. You'll see me. I'll feel lighter. I might get taller. Who knows? Who, had, who knows? Who knows how that's all going to work out? This is a sacred moment. It's a beautiful thing. And I'm going to ask everyone to stand. Would you all stand with me wherever you are, wherever you are across the campuses, wherever you are in the room, even if you're at 12 Stone Home, you're online, would you stand? We have a sacred moment. Let's, yeah, let's make a little room here. I want the families to come around and I want us to have a, a, a moment, Jason, if you would just kind of step up here, kids can come behind you, Jason, our kids can gather around. Jason, I want to ask uh, something of you. 
And it's just a, it's, it's a profound ask, and it simply needs a, I will. Will you wholeheartedly serve Jesus as the senior pastor of 12 Stones? I will. And I have an ask of all of us as a church. And your response, I hope, is we will. Will you wholeheartedly serve Jesus as we come alongside Jason? And your answer is? Well, so I'd like to have us pray. Corey, would you just start the prayer on behalf of the congregation? Marcia, would you offer a prayer over Amber and the family? I'll seal the prayer. If you're comfortable, some of you might be guests. This might be unusual. That's okay. You can just stand where you are. Join in prayer if you'd like. We'd love you to. Otherwise, some of you like, like a hands-up church, the way God moves and pours out. And if you want to kind of lean hands up and and Corey, would you just start the prayer and we'll all be praying along with you. So Father, what an incredible moment. And I know as our Heavenly Father, I know you're smiling right now. And I know you're excited. So Father, we ask as a congregation, I pray, Father, that you will give us just your Holy Spirit to live in and through us. I pray that we'll support Jason and we'll support this process. And I pray, Father, that we'll be wholehearted in our followership of you. I pray, Father, that we will get down on our knees. We'll jump into your word. I pray that we'll know you better. And when we know you better, we live better. So, Father, we ask that in your name. Father, um, I remember Amber came to our church when she was just a little girl, almost the first Sunday. So she's, in a, in a sense, been here as long as we have and uh, knows more and has been through more than most people. So we pray for her right now. We bring her before you. I pray that you would give her strength for the journey ahead. May your Holy Spirit go before her and behind her. When she comes up against difficult times, I pray that she would remember her calling and that you are with her. Give her peace that passes all understanding. Watch over her children. Guard their hearts and minds. Keep them walking in your ways. Bless Jason and Amber in their ministry. I pray that she would be known as a prayer warrior. She already is. For her husband and her family in 12 Stone. And I pray that she would have many years of fruitful ministry. I pray that 12 Stone would continue to bless this community under her and Jason's leadership. Watch over her and keep her as you have done done for me, Lord. You are faithful. And I pray Psalm 1 over her and her family. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water which yield its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. Father, may your name be glorified. May Amber prosper because she does your will and listens to your voice. And may her children prosper too, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. And now, O oh Lord, may the blessing of Psalm 1 be over Jason. Yes. You are asking more of him. So we're going to ask that you would give more of yourself to him. He doesn't have all of you. None of us do. But there is more of you to be had. So pour out on Jason. Yes, church, ask him. Pour out on Jason. Mightily grant him 
a move of your spirit. Let this moment of anointed covering and, and installation into a role that he's saying yes and obedience to you, may that come with more of your yeses and covering over him. So God, let your anointing, let your favor, and let your covering and all of your spiritual authority for your kingdom's sake rest on Jason, our new senior pastor. In Jesus' name, amen. 12 Stone, would you welcome our new senior pastor as he teaches for the first time. God bless you, my friend. You got to get your stuff, I know. Come on. All across the campuses, online, wherever you are, you should be standing right now, and you should be saying, come on, let's get our new pastor teaching. Jason's got his next few minutes. You can, you can bring it. Thank you. It's carried, it's carried over, apparently. I am uh, I'm honored and humbled, and I'm so grateful for such an incredible church. And when I talk to other pastors and when we talk as a staff in closed doors and closed rooms, we always come back to this statement. 12 Stone has the best people. Man, you guys give and you serve and you pray and you are so, so sacrificial. And so I'm honored to be a part of what God's done for 36 years and what he's going to continue to do. And so I don't know how I'm supposed to do this. Corey, you might have to slip up here and punch me. So I, I, have, I have 15 minutes to deliver my first message as senior pastor. Don't get used to that. But I've got 15, 15 minutes and I, I want to I get into something, because I think God has something to say to us. See, PK left off, and we talked about a generation that was, that was too fearful to trust that God would go before them. And they missed out. They sat in a wilderness. They sat and missed what God had for them. And if I'm honest, if you know me, I am not the most patient person. I'm not known for my patience. You think that when Kevin's gone, like this whole want to drive fast things over, like that's me too. I'm sorry. I'm an impatient person. And while, while Pastor Kevin is driving on the Autobahn this, this fall, which I'm so happy for you. It's going to be great. Can I tell you where I'm going to be? I'm going to be in the carpool lane with my kids. <laughs> while he's driving a buck 50 plus, I'll be like I was on Wednesday first, or Thursday, first day of school, Lincoln's bus didn't come, and so I said, I'll just hop in the car, I'll take you to school, and we, we get up, and the line to the school is like a mile and a half away, moving, can I tell you the speed, I can show you how fast the car was going. <laughs> and so I keep seeing these cars take a different entrance to the school, and if you know my mind, I'm always like, we got to get, come on, this is dumb, we got to get there. And so I eventually go, all right, I, I got to go at least see what's going on, maybe there's a back road in, because this is going to take for Ever. So I, 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 I eventually drive down this side road and I pull back in and the road keeps getting narrower and narrower until it's about the width of a golf cart path. Because as I look in front of me and I look in my rear view, I'm in a car and there's a golf cart in front of me and behind me. I'm in the golf cart drop off lane <laughs> and I'm looking around like there's no way out. Now, good news is the line was moving like this, not crawling. So I, I went with it. And this is the, the gift that I sent my wife saying, this is me trying to blend in in the car or the golf cart drop-off lane. <laughs> I'm just like, hey, basically a golf cart, that, 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 that's me. So in, enjoy the Autobahn while I am 
in carpool lane this, this fall. Here's what's interesting. I was exactly where I was supposed to be, but I got impatient. And instead of staying in the line that they designed me to stay in, I took my own path and ended up in the wrong line. And I'll tell you, I got some looks from teachers, and I'm glad my windows are tinted because I hope they didn't know who I was. But I, I ended up in the wrong line, and it, it cost me, which brings us back. The first generation had an opportunity to get in the promised land. And they did not step forward like God asked them to step forward, and they missed it. They got in the wrong line, if you will. There's no golf cart lane to speed through this one. They're stuck 40 years. And the kindness of God, he could have said, I'm done with you. But he said, all right, I'm coming back again. I'm going to give you another chance. Here's what God says to Joshua now, some 40 years later. Now then, talking to Joshua, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give them to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. God's saying, anywhere you step is going to be yours. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous. Someone say that with me. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give to them. I want you to catch this. God didn't change the invitation. He didn't change the circumstances. Same enemy, same people to be afraid of, same promised land, same weakness in the people. Didn't change any of it, but something changed because as we know, they stepped into the promised land. And I want to tell you what I believe God put in the heart of this generation. And it's the spirit of Joshua. And here's what it is. Joshua, the spirit is strong and courageous. See, Caleb was wholehearted for God. Now, Joshua, the spirit of Joshua is strong and courageous. And if I could ask one thing of our church is that we would be strong and courageous. And I want to give you the three thoughts, and I'm going to unpack them right off the top. God with us allows us to be strong and courageous. Strong and courageous is more faith than fight. And strong and courageous is how God gets you out of the wilderness and into the promised land. So I want to unpack them quickly. Again, I got to move. God with us allows us to be strong and courageous. Interestingly, Joshua 1, three times, God tells Joshua to be strong and courageous. Not just once. It's like me talking to my kids. How many times do I have to say it? God says, Joshua 1, 6, be strong and courageous. Joshua 1, 7, be, very, be strong and very courageous. Joshua 1, 9, he adds a qualifier. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Why? For the Lord, your God, will be with you wherever you go. Here's what I love about God. He never asks you to go somewhere or do something that he will not go with you. The, the, the heartbeat of strong and courageous is not that Joshua or the people were awesome or strong. It was that the God that was with them is awesome and strong. Like we don't have to trust in, in our ability, we trust that God's going to go with us. God was not asking the people, listen, be strong on your own. He's saying, I just need you to trust me enough that the one that's with you is strong. He didn't ask them to do this. 
themselves. Why did God say it three times? Because a whole generation missed strong and courageous. And it cost them dearly. And here's the gift that Joshua had. He was around to watch a whole generation miss the promised land. He was around to see what weak and worried would cost. And it cost him 40 years in the wilderness. And when you've watched the fallout and the cost of not trusting God and being strong and courageous to believe he's with you, when you see that fallout, you never want to go back to that again. And listen, some of y'all here, you came to faith in Jesus and you follow God because your parents didn't. And you watched what that played out. And you're standing here saying, I will never make that mistake. Others, you had faith handed down to you from your parents and you've walked in it your whole life and you are the beneficiary of parents who did that. Listen, the older generation was supposed to be a gift to the next generation. And instead, God said, I have to wipe all of them out so that they don't poison the rest of the people. I got to let all them die before we go in the promised land because they are not strong and courageous. They were not a gift to the next generation. Here's the thing. That whole generation is gone. God sends the new generation in and God gives them the promised land. It's amazing. They had no legacy behind them. They had to start fresh. Joshua and Caleb would have been the only grandparents. Think about this. They're the only people with gray hair. Everyone else is like, well, how'd you get that gray hair? What's that about? Because they all are gone. Here's what's awesome. That is not our situation at 12 Stone. We stand on the shoulders of people 50, 60, 70, 80 years old that walk with God. I just want to say thank you. 55 plus group. Thank you that we don't have to start over and say we got to forge our own path. We get to step in your footsteps, stand on your shoulders, and imagine if God could do, give them the promised land with that legacy. What could he do through this church with the legacy we stand in? Like God has promised land things for us, and they didn't have to believe that they were strong and they were able, only that God was. And everybody can be strong and courageous because God's with you. You don't have to do it on your own. He promises, I'll be with you. Now, how, how do you actually do this stuff? Listen, over the next four weeks, I want to give you a challenge. Over the next four weeks, I'm going to tell you how we actually live this out. So if you're in town, don't miss a single Sunday the next four weeks. If you're, if you're traveling for work or whatever, hop online because I want to actually unpack how we do this. Listen, God with us allows us to be strong and courageous. Secondly, strong and courageous is more faith than fight. I want you to see this picture. The first generation went and spied out the promised land, saw these giant people. They were overwhelmed. They were scared. They said, I don't see how we're going to beat these giants. And therefore, they pulled back from stepping into the promised land because they mixed it up. They thought, if God's sending us in there, how are we supposed to take these, these people down? The next generation, God said, just be strong and courageous and trust me. You don't have to worry about the fight. You just have to have the faith. And I love what God does. The first city that God tells them to go conquer, you know what it was? If you know it, say it out loud here across campus. You know what the first city was? Jericho. And you know what happened there? God said, hey, put your swords down for a minute. Six days, just walk around the walls of the city and then go back to camp for six days. Think about it. you're in Jericho, like, what are these guys doing? It's crazy. Then on the seventh day, once you walk around, on the seventh time, you blow the trumpets. And what did God do? 
he had the walls fall down. See, God didn't need them to primarily fight. He needed them to have enough faith that he would fight. And we mix it up because sometimes we we go from strong and courageous to, to worried and weak because we think we have to know all the strategic plans and how to get it done and that we're going to fight and we got to make this work and we got to win the battle in front of us. When God goes, if you'll just have enough faith, I'll fight for you. That has been the history of this church where God has asked us to risk beyond our own recovery and say, God, if you don't deliver, we're going to look like fools This is going to fall apart. It's not going to work. And yet time and time and time again, there was a group of people at this church that said, I will be strong and courageous. And God fought for us. And I've been praying for the last 18 months. God, would you do for us what you did for the last generation here? Would you give us our stories when you showed up and did things we could have never done? Would there be stories of walls in Jericho falling? Listen, we believe everybody can know God and find freedom. What's find freedom? It's when God shows up and knocks the walls of Jericho down that was an addiction or a hurt or a hang-up or something you can't get past. And God goes, I can knock the walls down. Will you trust that I can? You just have to have faith. I'll handle the fight. How do you you live this way? Listen, the next four weeks, I'm going to unpack how you do that. If you're in town, do not miss, please, the next four weeks. If you're, if you're traveling, be online. Don't miss because how you live this out can change your life. Third thing, strong and courageous is how God gets you out of the wilderness and into the promised land. See, worry and weakness kept the first group out. So strong and courageous was how God, how God got the next generation in. And I love how it plays out. This is like the picture of God, I'll trust you enough. And here's Joshua 3. Here's what it says. Now, the Jordan was at flood stage. They're about to cross into the promised land. The Jordan River is at flood stage. That's the only thing keeping them from the promised land. Yet as soon as the priests who carried the ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap and a great, a heap, a great distance away. All God needed was for them to trust him enough to put their toe in the water. And when their toe hit the water, the Jordan River started to part. And we mixed this up thinking, God needs this great thing from me. And God goes, if when Jesus said, uh, uh, the faith of a mustard seed can move a mountain. Let me say it in this context. The faith of a big toe in the Jordan will part the waters. If we will trust him. Can I ask you to do something? Will you trust God with me? Will you be strong and courageous? Will you risk again? Will you give again? Will you serve again? Will you invite again? And you go, God, I don't know how it's all going to play out. All he needs is the toe in the water. He doesn't need you to part Jordan. He doesn't need you to knock the walls down. He just needs you to actually trust him. You don't get promised land payoffs without wholehearted, strong and courageous trust in God. And I believe in my soul that God has promised land opportunities for this church. I believe God has promised land opportunities for your marriage, for your kids, for the next generation, for the territory that we're in, for territories we're not currently in that God's going to knock walls down and open up opportunities for us. There are promised land opportunities in front of us. And God is not looking 
for people who know how to do it on their own. He's looking for people who will be strong and courageous because he's with us. And if he finds that here, I believe in my soul that he's going to deliver us to promised land opportunities. I can't wait to lay some of that out over the next weeks and months. But today we have an opportunity. Listen, there's a specific invitation to us today. That as Pastor Kevin and I have been praying and the board's been praying, we believe that it, it honors God for us today that we would start the very first weekend where we do this succession, that we would pause and say, God, if you've asked us to go after promised land opportunities in the next generation, that we would sort of pause before we move on with life and we just pause as a church and say, God, we want to bring you an offering that is specifically for the next generation. And if you look around, this generation needs Jesus. There are gospel answers for every hurt and pain and confusion and chaos that exists for all of us and specifically the next generation. And today we have an opportunity to demonstrate wholehearted, strong and courageous. And in a couple minutes, we're going to actually receive the next gen offering. And we believe everybody can be a part of this. Everybody can be wholehearted, strong and courageous. And I want to read from 1 Chronicles 29 because this is a really cool passage. David had just built the temple and now he's receiving an offering. And here's what he talks about. David said this. David praised the Lord in the presence of the whole assembly saying, praise be to you, Lord, the God of our father Israel. From everlasting to everlasting, yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor. Listen, that is our heartbeat today. That you would not leave talking about succession or a person. That you would leave being able to say, from everlasting to everlasting, yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor for everything in heaven and on earth is yours. That's the God that we serve. And then here's what he says. But who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you. And we have given you only what comes from your hand. He acknowledged, God, you are the provider. And we get to live this way because you are our provider. And, and back then, that the offering that they received was to build this temple. And in the New Testament, God says, we're the temple. So there's not a temple anymore. God doesn't indwell buildings and, and places. He indwells people. So for our calling, we don't need to build a temple. We need to build a place where people can know Jesus. And this succession for us is about opening spaces, creating opportunities for the next 41,000 people to come to know Jesus and beyond because everyone can know God and find freedom, discover purpose, make a difference. And we want to have a moment where first and best goes to God because he's the one who asked. He's the one who gave us this next-gen vision. And if you've been around, you've heard things like, in the elementary years, God's called us to pour out biblical knowledge. Because we've, we've lost the foundation of Scripture. So we used to start with biblical values. Hey, here's, you know the Scriptures. Let's talk about how to live it out. And we're going, no, we don't even know the Scriptures anymore. So this place is wholly committed in the elementary years to making sure the next generation knows the Bible. And then we move into middle school and we say, now that you know the Bible, how do you apply the Bible into the values to make biblical values in your life? And you build off of your values. And then high school that we would help 
graduating seniors be able to know how to make biblical decisions. Think about the decisions you make at 18 and 19 and 20 that can change the trajectory of the rest of your life. You better know how to make biblical decisions. And there's a lot that goes through this. But our vision as a church is that we would reach the next generation. Not to grow a big church, not to make us feel good, but because the gospel is the answer to every problem and pressure and inside wrestling that we all have. And if we don't, who will? God's calling this church to focus our heart, our attention, and our resources on the next generation. And a huge part of that is we want our kids, when they show up, to show up to a campus and go, this church actually is for me. This isn't my parents' church that I got drugged to. This place is my church. And whether you're in Pastor Kevin's age, where you're starting to think about your grandkids, I want this place to feel like home for my grandkids. Or whether you're in sort of Corey's age group, where it's like, man, I, my kids are sort of through it, but I look back with gratitude at what God did in their lives for all those years at this church. Or whether you're in my generation going, I'm actually growing my kids through the church right now. We want to make sure that this place feels like their home. And you can go onto the website and see all the videos and renderings. But I want to just break it down because people ask these type of questions. How does this work? See, we're, we believe it's going to cost about $3 million to redo the next-gen space at all the camps. There's some 200,000 square feet that we have just for our kids. And so our, our goal is we don't know what God's going to do today and in the weeks ahead in this next-gen offering, but we believe that the first goal, a million dollars, don't know what's going to happen, but that, that allows us to actually start moving forward on two or three campuses, and then the second million, the next two or three campuses, and then the last three million, the final two campuses that will actually let us get moving. So people are like, how's this going to work? That's how it's going to work. You guys get to determine the speed, and we, we determine what God's going to do through that. So that's sort of the, the play as we walk through this next season, and that's why we start today. And by the way, if you're at 12 Stone Home, we've not forgotten about you. See, we want to continue to strategically fund your efforts as well to reach families in your own neighborhoods and your communities, and we're going to be excited to share what that's going to look like on the ground for you guys as well. But this moment is for everybody. And let me just, let me give you three people that I've, I've connected with in this last couple weeks leading up to the, this offering, and, and I'll just call this first person, person X, not professor X, person X. <laughs> And for them, they're in my generation, and this is the first time that they've had to wrestle down a moment like this with God, where it's, yes, tithes and offerings, God gets the first and the best, we start there, and this will be the first time that my friend, person X, is going to give to an offering like this, and the amount doesn't matter. It matters that there's an act of obedience, saying, God, you asked for this. Remember we say this, you ask God and say yes. It doesn't matter the amount. One dollar does not matter. It's the fact that this is a breakthrough moment, saying, God, you asked and I obey. You said, take the promised land, and I say, I'll be strong and courageous. There's another friend of mine, I'll call him person Y, and they're in my generation, and they started a business some six, seven years ago, and God asked them when they opened their business, whatever the first check that comes into this business, give the whole check to church. I want the first fruits of your whole business. They didn't know what the first check was going to be. It was $3 billion. I'm just kidding. It was not. <laughs> it, it, it was $67.50. And you go, what? It wasn't the amount. It was the disposition. 
that if I'm building this business, God, you get the first and the best. And some seven years later, God, same couple, God said, I want you to give the profits from your business that, that really is my business. I want you to give the profits of the month of July to the next gen offering, my generation. And they, 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 we were texting this week and they said, hey, dude, we're so excited. This month we made $40,000 profit. We get to give that to God. But listen, here's what's crazy about the kingdom of God. God is just as happy with the 6750 as he is the 4000 because he cares about your heart's disposition. And there's another person, I'll call him person Z. He's my generation and started a family, but he grew up in this church. And as he started his entrepreneurial sort of world, he moved away. And so he doesn't attend here anymore, but he was formed in this church through our next-gen ministries. And God put it on his heart that he wants to invest here. You know, he doesn't live here anymore. He wants to invest here. And so he came to us and said, listen, here's what God asked us to do. We're going to give a matching number that I will match dollar for dollar up to $250,000. First two hundred fifty that comes in, I'm going to match it on top of that. And for him, this is a massive step in his faith. It honors God. I don't care. The amount doesn't matter. We want to serve the next generation, but equally, this is our moment on the edge of the Jordan River. My secondary prayer, which secretly might be my first prayer, is that God would rally a church. The moments like this, God helps rally a church where we go, we're taking the promised land. So I don't care what the number is. You ask God and say yes. Don't care. But this moment is sacred for a hundred reasons. And my job is not to tell you what to give. My job is simply to tell you, ask God and say yes. And so for, for us, this is beyond our tithe. God gets the first, God gets the best. And now this is an offering moment. And you, you might decide that you want to jump in on this. And it's, if you want to text next gen to 37748, that'll get you to directly to the next gen website. And you'll be able to see on the screen behind me how all that plays out. For others of you, the offering baskets in a minute are going to be passed. And you can, whatever comes in the offering basket goes directly towards this next gen offering. You can take your normal passive giving. You get, you, hopefully you get how this moment works. But if you'd like, text next gen to 37748 as you wrestle on this down today and in weeks to come. But it's my job to simply pray and get out of the way. So let me, let me just, would you bow your heads here across the campuses? So God, we are standing before you. And each one of us gets to decide what is wholehearted look like? What is strong and courageous look like? And God, this is not my decision. This is between you and them. So God, would you remind us that you're with us? We can trust you. You can make us live strong and courageous. So God, this is all from you and all for you. Would you help us obey what you've asked? And would you use this offering, Lord, to reach the next generation for Jesus here at our campuses through 12 Stone Home? So God, would this be an honoring moment before you? That God, you are worthy of it all. That you are good. There is, like happened in Joshua, new people, new leaders, same God. So would you take this moment, would it be sacred, and would it be honoring to you? In Jesus' name, amen. So here, 
across the campuses, ushers, would you receive the offering? And then, Kim, would you lead us in this song as we receive the offering today? Sing that one. And all my life you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am made, oh, I will sing of the goodness of God. We celebrate the goodness of God for 36 years and for 36 more. And we'll have weeks and months and years to talk, but may that song be as true, if not more true, 20 years from now than it is today. All my life has been faithful. All your life has been faithful. So I want to tell you where we're going next four weeks before I hand it to the pastors. First of all, you, you've been hearing this phrase, everybody can. We have a belief here that because of Jesus, listen, everybody can know God and find freedom and discover purpose and, and make a difference. And, and next weekend, we're going to walk through this journey together. How do you live out strong and courageous? How do you actually do this? Because so many, if everybody can, why do so many don't? We're going to unpack that together, which is why on your way out, you're going to receive a t-shirt with the logo for the next four weeks together and just a reminder where we're headed. And by the way, if we're a next-gen church, don't you think our kids should get shirts too? So here's, here's what we've done. Your kids already have their shirt, K-12. They already have their sizes, already have their shirts because we know how much of a pain it's going to be to chase kids' sizes. They're good. On the way out across the campuses, you're going to get your own shirt and you need to bring it. Listen, I'm going to make a call right now. If you want to, everyone wear the shirt next week. Let's just have like a, it's going to be like a blackout across all the campuses. You don't have to, but you're welcome to. And secondly, just because just we can and it feels celebratory on the way out, we have Kona Ice and Cupcakes across the campuses to celebrate together. It's going to be a blast. Your pastor will tell you about that. Last thing I want to put in your world. You know the last thing the people of God did before they crossed the Jordan? Here's what it says. Joshua told the people, consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing, amazing things among you. Consecration always precedes a move of God. 
and which is why I'm announcing today, I'm calling our church to worship. Put it on your calendar now, August 17th and 18th in Lawrenceville. It's going to be a night for us as a church saying, God, we consecrate ourselves because we believe you are going to do amazing things among us. Put that on your calendar. We believe what's in front of us is primarily spiritual, not physical. So you fight different. We're going after that together August 17th, August 18th. And so across the campuses at 12 Stone Home, pastors, would you step up? Would you celebrate what God's done? Close the day. and We're going to have a blast hanging out with ice cream, T-shirts, and cupcakes. We love you. Thank you again for spending time with us today. A special thanks to those of you who generously give through 12 Stone. It is because of you that this ministry is possible. And if you want to learn more about 12 Stone, make sure you follow us on social at 12 Stone Church and check out a location or a watch party near you. And if you enjoyed the podcast, you could subscribe, share it with your friends, hit the share button, or even take a screenshot and throw it in your social stories. And make sure to tag 12 Stone Church. Let it be a blessing to somebody else. Thank you again, and we'll catch you on the next one.